Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. This one's awesome. This is with Brian from Secret Pint Barbecue in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been wanting to talk to him for a long time because, because whenever I talk to someone that is creating scratch-made sausage, they always tend to bring up Brian and Secret Pint Barbecue because... He is exceptionally creative. He has such interesting combinations. This is such a fascinating interview. If you're into sausage, if you're into barbecue, if you're into food in general, you're gonna love this. Brian's such a great guy. Let's jump right into it. Good afternoon, good morning. Brian, how are you? I'm doing good, Kevin. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing good too. I'm just glad to, to finally get this together. I know you've been busy. How are you feeling physically? Uh, good. I mean, like, so when I had COVID, it wasn't as big a deal as I think other people, I had done the vaccines and had the booster through like last year. So I may have gotten a, like a less potent thing. Yeah. So it was, it was honestly like, I've had a worse flu actually. Well, you're based in Atlanta right now, but I wanted to know what your backstory really quickly. Did you grow up in Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up South of Atlanta, like kind of like Metro Atlanta adjacent. I was probably like, uh, depending on traffic, 30 or 40 minutes from the Atlanta center. A town called Fayetteville. Yeah, yeah, heard of Fayetteville. What was that? Was okay. there? Were you involved in the food scene? Because how did you get to where you are today? Did you? What's the? What's the journey? I mean, like, I probably like I consider myself part of what a, probably the Food Network generation. You mm -hmm. just grow up watching, and the Food Network's kind of on. So you're watching like Emerald and Ming Desai and Bobby Flay and all these people cook, and so that's kind of how like my. uh interest in cooking went and then like in high school i worked for so chick-fil-a has very like a couple different variations especially in georgia so i worked at a place called the dwarf house which is like half fast food typical chick-fil-a and half like sit down restaurant i know they have that yeah like i mean they serve burgers there like it's like they have a grill like uh the, one of the biggest things is like even though it's a kentucky dish uh they make it they make a hot brown there with like a diced up fried chicken instead of turkey I didn't know that. Well, this is so, so yeah, was it a concept like, or was it something that they have multiple locations? They, they've kind of been paring them down, but yeah, they're throughout Georgia. There's a bunch of different dwarf houses. And so like at the front of the building, there's this little mini door that you can actually walk through for kids, the dwarf house. <laughs> and uh, that's cool. so I worked there in high school and then I didn't really like, I didn't want, like I was thinking about culinary school, but I didn't do that. I, I wanted to go to film school. So I went to kind of a median college and then I was going to try and go to SCAD and college wasn't my thing. And so I got back into cooking, but after like a long journey of doing other odd jobs. What kind of jobs? Uh, I mean, so for about 10 years, I was a post-production audio engineer for audiobooks. Are walking tours, is that something that people, can you get that in every city? Is it the other ones? I guess there would be, right? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like we got contacted by a company and we started producing I think we did like 50 for different cities throughout the U.S. Like New York had very like variations of different ones. Like we would do like a standard New York site scene. And they also did like a like a gangster and crime inspired one. <laughs> That's so, I wonder yeah. if there's one for L.A. I'd love to do one before. I think I did do one for L.A. I think it was not. I don't know driving, how, like, it'd be more driving was, tour probably. Well, like you had to find like certain sections that were walkable. And you had to do it within a certain number. So like, it's a very small subsection of LA that you could do. Like certain cities just didn't work out like the way they wanted it. I think when I did LA, it was like the old courthouse and that kind of thing. Interesting. But so then did you yeah. have any background in audio at all? Or? No, I'm just kind of decent with computers and stuff. So a buddy was like, hey, you want to, you know, 
do this entry level position at this company. And so I started like basically with the new quality control and it's, it's not like a very glamorous job most, but most people can't do it. It's like, you have to listen to an audiobook by a narrator while reading the script and kind of find like pronunciation and errors while they like anything they don't say correctly. So you can take notes and pull the audio and give them like a track so they can like re-record those lines and make sure everything's right. That's interesting. That's something that I never, I would assume like there's a, a lot of stuff that goes in the background of either animated movies or audiobooks or things that you probably have no idea. And, it, and probably to a lot of people, it's pretty boring, but it's something yeah. that, yeah, it's a job. It's there's things that you're, yeah, people, I, you, need, you need someone to do that. Yeah. I mean, you do a lot of really bad books or you do a lot of books with like, uh, I think I did a, 30 hour book with a lot of German pronunciations. So that was not like fun. Uh, but then I like worked great. my way up and like learned the mastering chain and kind of started doing like more of the back end post production work on that stuff. Oh, that's cool. But then in the back, were you always cooking during that time? I don't know, always done barbecue. If you're in the South, it's kind of just a thing. Was really into barbecue. Like I had a green egg, that kind of thing. And then had brisket for the first time at Fox Brothers. And then I looked in like kind of what they cooked on and it was like these big industrial Southern prides. And I'm like, oh, I'll never be able to afford that. I can't cook a brisket. Then that was like my train of thought. <laughs> and then I saw the No Reservations episode where they went to Austin. The trip to Franklin Barbecue did some research and he talked about starting on like old school offset pits. So the first thing I did was like find the cheapest pit I could order off of Amazon and set it up. And it was like, like millimeter thick <laughs> aluminum like it's terrible and so i started cooking briskets that was kind of like how i went down like that road did you perfect it ever on that pit two that were mediocrely bad i mean i'm trying to base it off what i know now i had a lot of friends and roommates that would that would crush them though so like it worked out again like like fox brothers is awesome like we were 30 minutes outside of atlanta and so if you went to Fox Brothers at the wrong time on a Saturday or Sunday, you're going to wait like an hour or and a half to like get a table. And their parking situation is not great. It was like, I can cook a brisket here. We can have it. Or we can go like wait around for, it's not like, it's not the same culture where you like, you don't have a beer and wait in line at a place in Texas. It's like, you're sitting around kind of like, like waiting for the, your, uh, your peeper to go off like at a normal restaurant. Yeah, no. So it's, it's, it's not as exciting and you don't have that camaraderie and talk to people in Fine. What did you graduate to then from there? Or did you go travel to Texas at all? Or? No, so I hadn't done Texas. And then about 2017, 2018, I was like, could I get like a bigger pit and kind of take this a little more seriously? So I did some research and like primitive pits, I don't even think had a website at that point. So I kind of saw their stuff like on Craigslist, but I was confused by it at the same time. So I found like a local pit builder in Georgia and I had them, they kind of built reverse flows and they're a bunch of like welders, they're not engineers. So I had them build like kind of a, uh, a makeshift offset. And if I had, could go back in time and redesign some of it, I, there's so much I would change. So it was probably like, uh, I would say size wise, like 130 to 160 gallon in terms of like size. I could fit like four briskets and two pork butts on there. And were you just giving that away for friends or like doing deliveries or no so i started out like cooking a lot yeah i would give some like friends and family and then i started like underground pop-ups i saw like oh with that Bert... pit yeah with that pit i was i saw what Bert bachman was doing in la like moose craft dane's craft barbecue what they were doing and so i started just like sending out notifications on instagram or facebook it's like hey i'm gonna set up in a friend's driveway i'll give you the address just message me i would just ask for donations to pay for the next cook 
So they would come set up. I'd set up a couple tables. People would come. And I did like four of those in 2019. So crazy how inspirational that was and how, because it was so exciting for me to like, to know that Bert existed. Like when I started to see things on Instagram, like, wait, and I had to find him. And it was like, it was very, he had to give his address very like, he had to kind of barely tell you where it was. It was this really, it was a fun, it was a really fun time. And then it's interesting now how inspirational that was to other guys across the country because, and it, in Texas too, because Texas, I think yeah, Danes was, Danes was doing, there's a, there was probably like a handful of people doing it in Texas as well. It's also like probably the YouTube videos came out, like the business insider stuff where they covered Bert and they covered Moose. And I was like, okay, that's kind of how you start without getting like all the licenses and a commissary yeah. and never, like I said, I never charged. I always just asked for donations so I can pay for the next because I was like, I'm just like, I don't want, I want to make this as like legally loophole yeah, yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. as possible. That's a smart little loophole that you create. Yeah. Right? But you were cooking off of that makeshift pit, right? It had a square firebox and then it had like this elevated grate with these large openings. So when they do reverse flow, they would just throw a ton of wood in there and you didn't have to worry about having a coal bed. But the way I learned is you kind of have to have a coal bed. So all the coals would fall through these grates. So I started having to buy like, or I had to go like Home Depot and get, I can't remember the, the type of like metal it was with like the, uh, the cross stitch pattern. So I could just like set it over this thing so I could actually have some coals to keep fire because I was having to come out like every 15 to 20 minutes and like uh -huh. open it up and kind of get it restarted. And that leads to super long cooks. I remember having some cooks that went like 24 hours on that thing. <laughs> Until I finally like learned how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord. That, but it's, obviously you were interested enough to continue doing that. It's it's kind of a bug once you start doing live fire cooking and cooking with like real wood and not charcoal or or doing like the pellet grill stuff, you either like, you're like, this is too much work or you're like, oh, this is the only way. And it's more of like out of frustration that you keep going. Uh-huh, definitely. You're like, I'm gonna get good at this. I'm gonna get it to where I can actually manage it. Because I, I do think there is a flavor difference between using like uh, real wood. So then how did you get to, because I know that the pandemic created a situation where you were able to, like that was, that was part, the pandemic kind of, builds into the story of what you've been doing but did you get did you eventually get a primitive pit i forget what kind of pit you had. yeah yeah I, I did get a primitive pit okay. so the pandemic what ended up happening was brisket prices shot up and i kind of stopped cooking i was supposed to have my first like real pop-up in april and the pandemic happened that shut down brisket prices shot up everything shot up and i stopped cooking and then brisket prices came down i just started offering deliveries to the back half of like 2020 and so that kind of got me momentum. And then I got my first primitive, I got my primitive pit 500 gallon in February of 2021, right before I started doing pop-ups. That time, like what kind of menu, what were you doing for delivery? Brisket, ribs, pulled pork, sausage, uh, some pastrami sometimes, beef ribs. And then I would have like two sides. I would do some mac and cheese, or I would do cold side. So I would do a sweet potato salad and coleslaw. Wow, and this was all to-go stuff, right? People would pop up. And pop yeah, in. so I, I, what I would do is I would take everybody's order and I would tell them, I'll give you like a delivery window mm -hmm. on Friday. So I'd wait till everybody came in and then I would map it out so I could have like the most gas efficient and like time every like stop out so I could tell, it's like I should be at your house between like this 30 minute window and this 30 minute window. And so I did that for uh, probably about five months. Oh, wow. Okay, so you came... Okay. That I I was mistaken. You actually delivered. Okay, I think you said that, but I, yeah. I I was thinking I was thinking maybe you meant that they came and picked it up. No, it's that was oh, that's no, no, smart. No, I, that's a smart. 
because because during the pandemic too, people weren't able at least. A lot of places weren't able, people weren't able to get food and that's like the food that they wanted. So yeah, I, uh, I delivered, yeah, probably for, yeah, like every, every Sunday or every other Sunday for about five months. Like wow. I would just get like a, like, you know, fifth, 12 to 15 orders. And then just kind of like, I would have a set amount that I knew I could cook on that pit, that small pit. So I knew it was like, all right, I can do five, like four briskets. That's going to give me this much meat. So like, I was like, I have this much fatty, I have this much lean, this much chopped. So when it got down to it, it was like, hey, you're cool with like a pound of chopped, and they're like, pe- most people were like, yeah, that's kind of how I did it. I yeah, I loaded them up in like some Cambros and and just took it around town. So smart, and it's actually great because you're getting the money ahead of time. So like you know that it's it's for sure, it's locked in. It's not something where you're cooking all this food and hoping people show up. It's more right, yeah. So like uh, I would wait to get everybody's order, and then I wouldn't deliver anybody's order. Like I would send out the Venmo request like 24 hours in advance, and then they would send it, and then I would deliver it. Then how did you get down the sausage rabbit hole? When you cook briskets and start trimming like the Texas style, you have so much excess trim and you know, I didn't know what to do with it. So I had gone to Goldie's did a pop-up at Fox Brothers, the kiosk and their commissary uh. back in March of 20, like late February, early March of 2019. And I went and I was like, oh, this is really good. And I'd also had the sausage at Lewis Barbecue in Charleston. I was like, this is very different. This is really good. So they were offering classes like it was basically just Dylan at the time. Dylan and then Lane would kind of come in and hang out. And then you might have seen Jalen and Johnny, but it was mostly Dylan Lane. And so I went out and took a class in like August of 2019. And I specifically took brisket and sausage so I could learn how to make sausage. The first thing I ordered was the KitchenAid like metal grinder. And I used it once to try and stuff sausage. And it was the worst thing I've ever done. Like all the fat rendered out because I didn't re-chill it down before I was stuffing the sausage. It was a mess. I immediately ordered a, a, like an actual standalone stuffer after that time. And so that's what I started with is just like one of those metal KitchenAid grinders. And so I'd offer sausage when I was doing the rounds on the deliveries. So that's kind of how I got started doing. I probably did 15 to 20 pounds a week just for that. You weren't doing, because I read somewhere because I, I went through almost all your sausages and just yeah, yeah, no question. And you one of them, like at one point, the jalapeno cheddar you didn't make that at the beginning because you didn't want to wasn't that something or the texas hot cut there was something that you didn't make because you didn't want to it was the jalapeno cheddar okay. like you could go get a hot like one of the only places in atlanta that made house-made sausage at the time was fox brothers so their house-made sausage was a jalapeno cheddar so it's just like i don't want to just kind of go over the same territory at that time what type of sausage were you making for people so i had learned kind of like a central texas kind of old school link whenever you took the goldies class they would give you a recipe okay and so i like made some small minor adjustments to the recipe and lane is such lane mill of goldies he's so crazy like he's constantly changing all his recipes so the recipe that i got back in 2019 is so completely different from whatever they're even doing now wow um it's probably gone through like 20 25 iterations to like Like, now Um, yeah he's just like a a flavor and uh ingredient genius (laughs) i've heard yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so it was a central texas link kind of in the german czech lineage so like mustard seeds lots of garlic black pepper and then it also had some like uh, marjoram and sage and stuff. So it wasn't actually spicy. And then the first link that I decided after that was a Spanish style chorizo with manchego cheese. Okay, manchego, yeah. which a lot of people might not know because it's a Spanish cheese. And because I, 
I worked in the cheese world. Did were you into cheese because of the food network and you're into food and things, or how did you do we want to go ahead on the cheese rabbit hole now? I don't know. You want to go? Okay, let's just, let's go yeah, down. Yeah, sure, sure. A manchego was just a cheese I like. The the whole like genesis of like the cheeses I pick for sausage is I would just pick a cheese and then think about like what kind of cuisine it's good for and then build the link backwards from there. Oh, interesting. So manchego, uh, yeah, like manchego was a Spanish cheese. So it was like, what is manchego on? It would be kind of on like, you would have it like in tapas and you might have it with some some Spanish chorizo, like the cold cut cured kind of Spanish chorizo. Oh. So I went and looked up to see if there was like any fresh Spanish chorizo recipes. And I found this fresh Spanish chorizo recipe. And so like, I was like, okay, so if I do the manchego cheese and the fresh Spanish chorizo recipe, let's see how that works. And so that's that's kind of the genesis of it. So I live super close to an Atlanta Buford Highway Farmer's Market, and they have a great cheese section. Uh. So I just kind of go browse the cheeses and see what catches my eye. So like this earlier this year, I was doing a or I was doing a pop up at Round Trip Brewing. They had a they were doing their second anniversary beer release. And I talked to the brewer and he's like, I was like, how do you think this should be paired? He's like, he wants to do like a savory, uh, like a savory dessert. That's how he thinks the bear should, uh, beer should be paired. So I went and browsed the cheese aisle at Beaver Highway Farmer's Market. And one of the things that caught my eye was this Huntsman cheese, which is, it's this yellow double Gloucester cheese with like these stripes of Stilton blue. And I thought about like post-dessert cheese boards. Mm-hmm. So like with like blue cheese and like harder cheeses. And so kind of, I built the link around that cheese to pair with that. So that's yeah. kind of my thought process. That's interesting. And like with the Manchego, you probably use more of a young Manchego because the aged Manchego would be too brittle. I can't find a super old Manchego. Like the oldest I can find without getting too expensive is probably about a year. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've used six months in a year and they're fine. Yeah, They're not too hard. And honestly, what happens when you do that is they don't melt out when you cook the sausage That's what I was thinking, on the yeah. on the yeah so they're they're um they'll still be soft but they'll actually when you slice the coins they'll stay um like more presentable and you can see like a clear like cross section of the cheese yeah no that makes sense because like there's some like aged goudas too that are so they're wonderful they taste almost like like whiskey or cognac but they're so aged that they won't melt <laughs> they would not melt properly yeah like yeah gouda is one that was one of the first ones i did that i was like oh yeah like even after a cold smoke and even after a reheat, this is not melting all the way through. It's still pretty uh, solid. That's an interesting way to go about it. With those early sausages, did you think like oh, the sky's the limit? Is that, and is that something that creativity, it seems like that's something that you desire that you really enjoy. A lot of the early sausages, I take inspiration from other places. I don't think I had found Tyler's account yet. One of the first sausages I had when I did my trip to Texas, me and a buddy, we ended up at Tejas. I was gonna say like was that, thinking, was first, like, that was the first that was that second that was our second stop in in uh, on our trip and so we had the chili relleno and so I was like yeah. okay well if I I'll do one inspired by the chili relleno so that's kind of how I did the roasted poblano and pepper jack and that kind of evolved into the roasted poblano Oaxaca again I'm really lucky where I live the farmers market I go to it's actually got two different cheese sections it's got like kind of a European like broader cheese section and then it has like a strictly mexican cheese section so they'll have like asadero and cojita or uh, cotilla and queso oaxaca and like they would have uh different different types of oaxaca and luckily 
they have a whole milk Oaxaca, which not a lot of people have access oh. to. And then they also that you can buy it pre-pulled too. So you don't have to get the ball and pull it. So I could go in and buy this pre-pulled whole milk Oaxaca. Oh, that's crazy. It was, and that's what's when I was going through your sausages, and I don't know if anybody of these people would be listening, but I don't know if your customers realize how good they have it. Like maybe they do, maybe a, a handful of them, but there's gotta be like some that are like, oh, this is a great sheet, like great sausage, but not like, like this is freaking nuts. This is really good. Like, I, honestly, I am super impressed with what you're doing. No, I appreciate it. Uh, no, I've had people tell me that like uh, they're, I have certain people that come just for sausage. Oh, cool. So it's really cool to get that like recognition from them. And some people know like how many different, like how crazy it is to pull off like multiple sausages at like a pop-up event. Yeah. Uh, I had a I had a buddy come through and like so like a couple weeks ago and I did three sausages like and he was explaining to people like I don't know how you know how hard it is to like not only do three different variations that have distinct flavor profiles and that they're all executed like really well and like and like and he's doing it at a brewery like he's holding them in a hot box and serving them at a brewery it's just, it's, it sounds honestly absurd. It's, let's, because I, I had done, I had asked Tyler, and I think I asked one of the, can you go through, just so people know, because just in case they're just listening to this one, what's the process from beginning to end, like time-wise and just kind of like the rough process so people understand what it takes to make a sauce? Okay, so the correct process is probably about three or four days, but Tyler and I, and probably like Bradley of Chud and a couple other people, you could probably pull it off in one day and it won't be that much different, but like the, the main process is, so for me, it's I'll take the trim from the previous week of brisket and then I'll go get some pork butts to make sure I can fill out the batch. And so uh, I'll break all that down and season it and then let that sit overnight. I try and prep my casings the day before too. I want my casings soaking for at least 24 hours oh. before I use them. Yeah. They're just easier to deal with when they're soaked for that long. Then the next day we'll be prepping any cheese or ingredients that like, uh, like color ingredients that go in, like, so like breaking down the jalapenos and throwing them in the food processor to kind of mince up, breaking down all the cheeses, which, okay. I don't like high temp cheese, but the benefit of high temp cheese when they come pre-cubed is... Yeah, there's it doesn't weigh the fact that I don't like item cheese. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, breaking down a ton of cheese, a ton of cheese blocks and cubing them up, like, is honestly, it's it's not fun. Yeah, no, um, your hand hurts after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, not only that, but like, especially when you're doing multiple and you have to like break down and like, sort of, like different cheeses, like, there's just a whole, a whole, oh, yeah, array of issues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, like cutting up an American cheese block is completely different than cutting up like a, like a, like an extra sharp cheddar or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah um, definitely. And so I'll break that down, kind of grind everything and case it on the same day, then let that sit again overnight. And then I will do the cold smoke on day three. So that's usually about a three and a half hour to five hour process on the smoker. And then another two to three hours, I like I'll ice bath them, dry them off. And then I will let them sit out for another two hours for what they call blooming. Okay. Basically, it just like kind of dries out and gets the color back to the sausage. Because if you leave them in the ice pack too too long, they'll kind of uh, the color will uh, like will die down. Oh. And they'll get kind of a little pale. And so when you bloom, the color kind of comes back. Then you let them sit in the fridge overnight again. And then you, uh, when you're ready to do a service, then you 
cook them again on the pit. Five days or four days? What was I trying to think of? By, by, by the time by the time you cook it, like if you did it right and paste it out, it's usually day five when you finally yeah. eat eat the like the full final product. <laughs> for for like a sausage, like but it's that's sliced, but it, but it's also it a, a number of them, and it and it's something so special that pairs like when I that's I think that's why I went down at least mentally down to and trying wise and eating wise the craft sausage realm because i felt like it, it it's what differentiates a lot of places from other places because brisket hasn't been perfected but a lot of people can do a really good brisket a lot of people can do ribs yeah. really well now pulled pork etc once you've had good sausage it blows your mind like it kind of like those epiphanies that you had and i think that no i just i just respect it so much so that's interesting for people to know and for beginners and people that might want to be interested if they can go back to this and look at it and it's obviously not that's you didn't give it a recipe but you told the time that it takes and i think it's nice right yeah that's crazy say at the beginning were you taking that much time doing it right and taking that much time yeah like i think when you do it like it's kind of a hard process to speed up and especially early on it takes you so long to do each step because you don't you're kind of slow at it and you're kind of like trying to make sure that you've got everything lined up and there's so many dishes doing sausage that you kind of, you kind of have to pause in between each step to make sure that you yeah. like clean everything but also too like have you ever made a sausage or like almost like finished and then you looked over and you're like wait i forgot to put that thing in that i want oh, like <laughs> one of the first sausages i made i totally forgot salt <laughs> uh yeah it was terrible like uh, yeah i had i had gone through everything and the, this is why uh, one of the steps that you should do is after you grind and kind of mix everything, you should make a test patty and test it out, make sure all your flavors are good. Oh. And uh, I know that like at Goldie's, they do that every batch they make. They they fire up, they're, they're frying up five to six test patties on Sunday when they're making sausage, just to make sure that they got all the, like it's not too salty or it's not under salted and that like everything tastes right. I have definitely forgotten salt in one and it was it was terrible. I've never heard of the test patty thing. That's cool. That's a smart idea. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You can't eat it raw. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, you can't. Well, I mean, you, you could eat you like could. a little bit raw, yeah. but yeah. So thank you for that primer on. And I wanted before I forgot too, because I have a lot of questions. The secret pint, is that does that have something to do with a metal song or a band or something? Or Yeah. Okay. So that's a song by a band called Mogwai. Mogwai. Okay. And not only really, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mogwai. I'm not even really a big fan of that song, but that like title stuck in my head. So when I was originally thinking about a name, Secret Pine stuck in my head because I thought about like being Southern and kind of like, or uh, moonshine and rum running, kind of a secret pint. Uh-huh. So like my original logo was going to be like an empty mason jar glass. Oh, that's so cool. that's kind of, yeah. Uh, and then it kind of went to this logo, gotcha. kind of morphed into that. Yeah, later on. And Mogwai is, is that a gremlin, right? Wasn't that gremlin? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's what a gremlin is before they become a gremlin. Because <laughs> at first I was like, yeah. Star Wars. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Mogwai's gremlins. And yeah, then, Mogwai. And then you have like, you have some sausages um, named after uh, metal songs too. Like are you in, you're in the metal, right? Or Yeah, yeah. I'm in the metal. So okay. th- like I've named them kind of a, out of a couple different things. So more recently I've been naming them after like metal songs. Or metal bands. So I did one. So it's funny that you mentioned that you worked at Murray's. Uh, my Kroger has a really good cheese section with Murray's cheeses. And I saw that honey goat Gouda. And I used it for some reason. Honey or goat stuck in my mind as like a Kentucky thing. 
And so I named it uh, after a song of a uh, like a hardcore Kentucky band. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I did an Italian-inspired link, and I named it after like an Italian death metal band. <laughs> and I've Googled some of them too. Like, well, Deep in the Willow, that was right. That was the Honey Goat Gouda one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's named after like the Knock Loose singles that just came out. I listened to that one, and then which one was the one that was named after? I'm looking to see after the the metal band from. From, from Germany, you said? Oh, uh, the secret. The oh, secret. That's oh, the, the name se- of the oh, band. The se- oh, the secret is the name of the band. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. That's and cool. then, like, I did, uh, I did another Italian link, and I called it the Morricone after Enzo Morricone. Oh. Wow. Because it was like, yeah, because he did the spaghetti westerns, so I was making like a Texas style sausage with Italian flavors. So oh, that was kind of like my, yeah. I love was that. my, uh, yeah, that was my thought process for it. So you're having fun with that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it backfires. I named, uh, I did a blueberry pancake one, but I used sorghum syrup. So I just didn't want to call it like blueberry pancake. So I tried, I called it Bailing Morning after an instrumental band from Texas called Balmore. And people were so confused by the name. They just didn't order it. <laughs> and so we were sold out of the other stuff. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, you probably have to dumb it down. Well, because like it's also too in the beer world, they name things so funky and so crazy that sometimes I bet people don't order things because they're so confused by the name. Yeah, uh, so one of the breweries I do, or I go to and pop up a lot, they're called Little Cottage Brewery and they're a metal brewery. And so all of their names are kind of kind of that style, but they also list out all the ingredients and kind of the beer style underneath it. So people are less confused by that. Yeah. yeah. But I found like, even if I'm listing out all the ingredients and what it has, people are like really confused that like between like they're like blueberry pancakes was it wrapped in a pancake what's what's going on it's like no it's got pancake breadcrumbs and dried blueberries in it how was that one that one must have been really good that one that one's really good like I, i've made that a couple of times and people really dig it yeah. like the idea was when you get a breakfast like at a like say a diner and so you take a bite of sausage and like pancake and you yeah. just kind of switch it through the syrup that was the whole idea it's the best it is the best and it's all encased in one in a sausage that's that's awesome. So as I want people to know before, before I forget, because I would be the last thing out, how are you, you're doing this? And I see that you're, you're scheduled, you're scheduled out to December, right? Uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, like there's a lot of pop-ups in Atlanta right now. So if you want like Saturdays, which are the, the busiest day, I kind of had to like schedule out the breweries that I like back in like late May, early June. Wow. Because That's... they would, they would have gotten booked, booked that far in advance. So the pop-up world is really big in Atlanta yeah yeah oh it's huge a ton of different pop-ups like there's a whole community either like there's some residencies at certain restaurants and a lot of places popping up at breweries or in other restaurants like on a during the weekday I mean we have a discord group and I probably want to say there's like 20 or 30 pop-ups in there is that just discord for the pop-ups or is it discord for other yeah people? that's just that that that's just discord for the pop-ups <laughs> wow that's impressive like, and so, and so yeah and so there's also like the like the breweries or beer gardens or all those places are also in there asking dates to be filled and stuff. So we can ask like, Hey, we need, uh, you know, someone to help like run our front of, or like our POS system or, or if anybody like knows a place to get a certain ingredient, that kind of thing. That's great. That's a great use of discord as instead of like for NFTs or for like, other, like or, or video games. Yeah, like, exactly. That's rad. That's rad. That's really cool. Like, and I hear discord, I always think that world, but it's like, it's just a, 
a community it's a yeah it's weird like because yeah it that that's what i was familiar with discord too at first like that's what we used to chat for video games with friends yeah. uh -huh. and then uh and then it kind of morphed into like slack was always the work thing and then we en we ended up work using discord more for the work thing because it had better functionality than slack so it kind of it kind of like it's gone back and forth wow that's it that's like a slack for fantasy football and then i <laughs> use discord for work so it didn't, it didn't make any sense so then people can they can go to your social media see what's coming up they're not by not paying ahead of time right you're paying at the brewery or yeah, I, I do do some pre-orders uh okay. like doing pop-ups at the brewery is always it's always been weird but because i didn't want to do pre-orders because i didn't want someone to walk in after sitting in line for like 45 minutes and we run out and yeah. then someone walk in and get food 10 minutes later and i just told them we didn't have food so like it was like always because i didn't want to send the wrong message that way that but sense. this this year i started ordering doing pre-orders and kind of like working it into where it's more like by the pounds and packages and stuff and then like i also do the sausage package vacuum sealed sausage packs and that's you can only get those through pre-orders like four packs and yeah yeah four packs and that kind of stuff that's awesome okay so pay attention to your social media that's the best way to to find out that yeah stuff. and then like the, the website has like the full list of events like oh, yeah, on yeah, my yeah. calendar okay yeah cool. yeah I'll, I'll have links to all that can we go over some of your sausages really quick <laughs> yeah go for it you were the one that when i was uh talking to tyler you had made the waffle house sausage originally yeah. and, okay can you was talking about like the the hash browns and things right or something right so uh, originally so again little cottage brewery they did like a scattered in our waffle house and started scattered ipa and so at the same time they wanted me to do zuna pop-up that day so i did a waffle house inspired breakfast sausage so the first time i did it i used store-bought hash browns and kind of just made my waffle house hash brown order and put it in a sausage and it ended up tasting, it was good, but it just tasted like breakfast casserole, kind of the kind you get at like Christmas or like Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. So a friend suggested, it's like, why don't you just go buy hash browns from Waffle House? And so when you go to Waffle House, they come in, you get a single, a double, or a triple. And they don't give you a weight or anything. That's just kind of how you order. So I figured out how much hash browns go in like a 10 pound batch, which is a triple order and a double order. So when Tyler was asking me, how like how much hash browns I use to go, I don't actually have a weight. I just go buy like the Waffle House metric. I know a triple order and a double order is enough for 10 pounds. So we tried to figure it out online. And so oh. I think what ended up happening was he was like, okay, well that weighs about, you know, pound and a half or whatever. But then, so we cooked a pound and a half of hash browns and it cooked down. And so it wasn't enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I have since I have since gone back and weighed it for him, and actually given him an actual weight. But like in my head, it's like, oh, that's the measurement. Like everything else is like in grams, and like set weights for everything. And like this is the one thing that I just do in this really weird rudimentary way because that's how you order hash browns from Waffle House. And that's good too because I've I've never been to a Waffle House. I want to, and I um, and I've seen it on Food Network and different things before, but. uh I think I saw like uh, Sean Brock went with Anthony Bourdain to Waffle House, but uh, I, right. I, I don't realize it was single double. That's perfect. So thank you. So what what's like human normal human eat a double or? Yeah, usually you'd get like an entree and then a single or a double. Single. Like a triple is for like the crazy people. <laughs> like it's it's a lot. It's a lot of potatoes. <laughs> it's a lot of potatoes. So how so for oh. that for the one when you finally perfected that is that a good? Do you like that sausage? Yeah, like a lot of people really like that sausage, and it was funny like. I, what I didn't realize that when I was using hash browns from the store 
is there is a distinct smell and flavor from hash browns cooked at Waffle House from the oil they use to like the flat top they use that uh, when you cut into the link, you can totally still smell that smell. Wow. If you've ever had Waffle House, like it's a distinct smell and flavor that I wouldn't get if I did hash browns, like cool. cooking it in the commissary or whatever. Have people been blown away by it? Like I've been surprised by it? Yeah, people like when they end up eating it, they, like or when I explain it to them, they kind of just look at me really crazy. They're like, <laughs> like they, they're like their eyes kind of open a little wider, and then they they usually order it and they they're, they're freaked out. Um, the other thing that Waffle House also has what they call an all star, which is what they probably ordered with Sean Brock and Anthony Bourdain. So it's you get a waffle eggs, can or a waffle eggs hash browns and like bacon or sausage. So. I threw all of that in a link one time. Oh, so I yeah. went and got like waffles and hash browns from uh, Waffle House, dehydrated the waffles and made waffle breadcrumbs and then made a uh, like a big omelet and kind of chilled down the eggs. Uh, it was too much. The waffles and the uh, the, the syrup kind of dominated everything else in the link. It was, a, it was a neat novelty and some people really liked it, but it it doesn't hold a candle to the like this just straight up standard like breakfast sausage, hash browns, American cheese. When you make a sausage that doesn't work out, do you tell people like, hey, you know, I'm not 100% happy with this? Or do you just kind of see what happens? I have the really bad habit, and maybe Tyler does this too. It's like, if I work on something, I'm pretty much going to like, I don't really test it before. Like I, I, besides like the test patty and then throw it on the smoker, I'll try it before I serve it. But it will make like a 10 or 12 pound batch. And that's like what it is. <laughs> Um, like I don't do like a small like five pound batch because there's again there's so much that goes in the sausage like yeah. it's really not worth it to make like really small batches especially since like after you get done the stuff or you're gonna lose about three quarters of a pound anyway for the stuff that like is at the bottom of the stuffer so there are been links that I've scrapped that I didn't serve that I wasn't happy with there was a boudin where I didn't cook the rice enough so it had like kind of crunchy undercooked rice so i didn't sell those i gave them away and be like look and explain it's like hey the rice is undercooked if you want to just see the flavor and see what like if i'm close or not i've done that before if i make it i'm pretty much gonna serve it well, that makes sense other people i, I want to go through a list of a number of your sausages and talk about them but are there people in the sausage world we mentioned tyler are there other people that you follow or that you're interested in or that are part of the the, the craft sausage world that you will check them out online uh, yeah lane and i talk a lot about sausage lane of goldies and he will uh he'll make fun of me if i do something really outlandish <laughs> so like i just did one with gnocchi and like fried basil and stuff and he he messaged me he's like uh i listed all the ingredients and he goes you're you forgot the kitchen sink of course um grasslands those guys I like uh, like to see what they do, and we we talk about some sausage. Little Don at Big Don's of Big Don's Meats in Perth, Australia. Uh -huh. The stuff they're doing out, out there like is really wild. Um, they probably have the biggest snags in the game. Like they look enormous. If you ever seen a picture, so I'll talk to him for uh, a little. And I mean, Fort Grove Barbecue. We've been talking a little bit about sausage and like some of the the ideas that he's had for different links. Because I know they just worked on like a chicken bacon ranch. So oh, I've nice. never done a chicken sausage. That's like chicken and turkey and poultry. I've kind of stayed away from. I, mm -hmm. I stick to pork, beef, and then I've done one lamb link. Bill Dumas. I do follow him. Like his stuff is pretty way out there. 
Like, I don't think I would ever do the peach pie sausage or like yeah. that kind of thing. But like, I mean, he is kind of the, I guess the post old school central Texas. Like he was kind of one of the first guys that was really going out and like, he's, he's studied the whole thing and he's got his own methodologies and stuff. And he was the first guy that was kind of taking that I know like on a bigger scale was taking all these different like dishes and stuff and turning them into a sausage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to have a stuff at some point. I just haven't had a chance. Bill Dumas at Brotherton's. Yeah. 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 Bill Dumas at Brotherton's. Yeah. Uh, maybe I will try like the, the, uh, what is it? The pecan pie sausage at some yeah. point, but uh-huh. that, that's just like wild to me. And that seems like, and like Brandon and Hurtado, he's Brandon Hurtado. He's doing some really interesting stuff. Um, Dane, I've heard Dane's sausage is amazing. Yeah. I, I did get to try Dane's like two years ago. Yeah, so I got the chicken corn on blue, the jalapeno Havarti, which is really, really good. I had never thought about using Havarti in a sausage until I had that. And so I've I've since used Havarti in a couple of different sausages. Trying not to do jalapeno Havarti, because that's that's a Dane's thing. That link's really good. I didn't get the sausage at Leroy and Lewis, although I would like when I went I'm trying to think of who else that I had that I really liked. Uh Mickelweight was doing a really yeah. good sausage. Yeah. That's something that's it's more prevalent. Like people are doing it, but also people maybe would do one or two. They wouldn't do like, like you and Tyler and Wacky or Grassland, like doing stuff where it's like totally different every week or every two weeks. And when I talked to Tyler, he's like, yeah, different. I'm like, I don't repeat myself much. I'm like, that is mind blowing. Like that's a lot. That, that's pure insanity. I've definitely repeated links, especially like people will ask, can you bring this back or whatever? So like I'm doing the Noki link again this week. I'll do a sl- slight variation of it, but someone asks, like, hey, I was really interested in that Noki link. So it's like, yeah, I'll bring it back. Taiwanese, like, do you have some connection to Taiwan or did you go to Taiwan or something? No, no. So the pop up that I did a collab with Mighty Hans, Fu Mao's son is of Taiwanese descent. Okay. And so he was like, his pop up is doing Taiwanese American inspired dishes. So he'll do a brunch. Okay. So he does like a, like one of his items for a brunch is a scallion pancake, but he does a like a bacon, egg, and cheese scallion pancake. Oh, that's cool. like, yeah. So uh he hit me up to do the collab. And so I just looked up like what kind of Taiwanese street food, kind of their version of barbecue, what they do, and then kind of uh decided, all right, so like they have like a uh, like a pork belly sandwich where they would grill the pork belly strips over like a live fire and then kind of chop them up and grill it on a plancha with like onions and green onions so we built a sandwich kind of like that wow oh, that's that's really yeah. cool did you, did you make a taiwanese sausage or did i read that you're yes sausage? yeah yeah the taiwanese sausage is really crazy because they have a dish out there called small sausage and a large sausage that is like the actual translation <laughs> and it's these little like super garlicky sweet taiwanese sausages and then they make basically a bigger glutinous rice sausage so it's literally a casing filled with like glutinous rice and like boiled peanuts and garlic and some other ingredients and then they'll grill that and kind of slice it open and use it as a bun and place the little sausages in this bigger large rice sausage (laughs) wow um and we couldn't like we the kind of collab kind of came together so last minute that i was like i want to do that but i also know that like it's going to take some research and kind of that's one thing that I want to kind of like test out and do a couple batches. Cause I didn't know how to like hold, like make that in advance and hold it. Cause I was mm. afraid the rice wouldn't cook all the way through when you like 
heated the sausage for the second time. That's really interesting. I thought, I'll have to Google that. I'm sure other people will. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like, yeah, look up Taiwanese small sausage in a large sausage. It's it's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, another one other thing before I jump the sausage. You did some stuff with uh, Scott's Love Barbecue. I mean, Socks Love Socks loves barbecue or Sock loves barbecue. What is it? It's a yeah, yeah it's Socks Love uh, Socks. Loves. Fox love barbecue. Yeah, yeah. Is it loves? <laughs> I it's been a while since I've been up there. So, no, I had been making sausage, and uh, me and Steven had been talking. Uh, Steven Sock, who yeah, Steven Sock. was run, uh, like, yeah, we had been talking back and forth, and he was like, you know what? I kind of want sausage at the restaurant. So, I came on and worked for Socks Love Barbecue for a while, and I kind of started making sausage for them because they had all this trim that they didn't like. Again, if you like they were just throwing it away and like a yeah. lot of places they just throw it away it's like they didn't they weren't using it to make burgers or make chili like that kind of thing because they would use leftover brisket for their brisket chili so they weren't like grinding it down and making like a different chili or anything so i came on and like developed recipes for them and was making their sausage every week for about a year and a half okay yeah so i was doing so at the time i was doing i was working my full-time job i was making anywhere between 40 and 70 pounds of sausage a week for Socks Love, depending on like, how busy they were. And then every other week I was doing my pop-up, which I was making an additional 30 to 40 pounds of sausage. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> so for about a year and a half, I was kind of an insane person. <laughs> You're not. So then is he still, do they still make, do they still have your sausage? Yeah, so so I, I left last November and then they went and developed some sausage. And so I don't know who's making it now, but they have a cup. they, do some daily specials with sausage now cool so. oh yeah steven's great now I, I i wanted to give him a shout out because i saw that and i noticed that in your thing and i saw that he well it snaps that snap was so loud yeah 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 but like one of the first ones yeah like and then like there's another one where the cheese i think shoots up and almost hits him in the eye <laughs> that's hilarious oh that's too funny okay so the waffle house sausage we talked about the texas hot cut and the the cheddar jalapeno that's kind of a sta standard the steakhouse can you talk about the steakhouse sausage okay so i had done like that one i did with a buddy who does springfield barbecue co mark springfield he used to work at dos barbecue and now oh. he's kind of focusing on doing his own pop-up and he he has more of a culinary background he worked at some good restaurants down up in roswell uh table in maine and osteria oh. in roswell georgia and so he's always been into sausage making so we kind of did a collab link so he caramelized onions and so made some bacon lardons. And then I got like a buttermilk blue cheese and we had Worcestershire powder. That looks like there's some um, caraway seeds. Yeah, caraway seeds. I think we may have used uh, like a, a stout in there. It looks like um, stout. Insomnia breakfast stout. Yeah, insomnia breakfast. Like, yeah, from the, the brewery very, that we yeah. were doing the, the event. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. insomnia breakfast stout. Yeah, so like at the end of the day, like it was kind of just like, the reason why we thought about oh white pepper anytime i do like something beefy i like Worcestershire and white pepper in the link oh, interesting. like i feel like that like yeah that brings out like a mm -hmm. certain flavor that i associate with with like either steak or burgers so yeah we did that for for an event and that was pretty popular and we called it the steakhouse just because the bacon lardons and the blue cheese they kind of reminded us like almost like a wedge salad yeah yeah definitely that was good that sounds really good yeah and then uh chorizo con Con papas is that one was that someone else did someone else make that too or is that something that other a lot of guys have made or someone's probably made that i know like people have done el pastor before oh yeah stuff. exactly yeah. Uh, uh so there's a 
there's a gas station that sells really good burritos next to me and they have a chorizo con papas uh, burrito that you can get in the morning. And I I just love that dish. So that one's interesting because I there's a a really good Mexican grocery store called Supermercado Chicago and they make a really good chorizo. So when I make that like, when I make that sausage, I go get chorizo from them. Wow. And I fr- I fry it up and then I fry like and then I roast or fry the potatoes for that sausage in the chorizo fat from when I fried it up. Oh, that's awesome. uh, then I refry the chorizo so it gets these like really crispy chorizo bits that I mix in the sausage. So I create my own like uh like my own recipe chorizo. And then I mix in those potatoes and then the uh, the crispy chorizo bits and then an also dare awesome cheese. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good melty Mexican cheese. Yeah. So yeah, when you look at the link and it, like it's got these little bright like red studdedness from the tree from the other chorizo that it's in the sausage. Oh, that's that's awesome. And then this it just re- this dawned on me too. There's also Lennon at uh, Heritage. He's a he's a, he makes some incredible sausages too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, God. I've I've seen a couple that he's done, and it's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. So that's like this. Like, these are like the guys that are like just like you. Like I follow, <laughs> I follow you. I follow other yeah. people. I just it just popped in my head that I remember. I think he does something maybe with with con papas, but it's not chorizo. It's something else. So maybe it's El Pastor. Right. Yeah, could be that. I don't know. Then the, then this this oh deep in the willow is that that's the one with the honey goat gouda, right? Yeah. So I saw the honey goat gouda from like the Murray's honey goat gouda and like. And my Kroger cheese section, I was like, oh, might as well use that. And then the first time I did it was with uh, chalaca peppers, which is what they turn into pasillas. Okay. It's the pepper before they dry it out to turn into a pasilla. So I roasted those and chopped those up. And then the second time I made it was hatch chili season recently. So I, I do cool. some hatch chilies. Yeah. And that's a really like the, the honey goguda has a really funky flavor that comes through a lot. And then I uh, amped it up like you can buy granulated garlic or no, sorry, granulated honey. Oh. these little like like mini honey like like uh tablets or whatever so i added more of that into like the sausage farce and so it's got a good sweet flavor it's got the funkiness from the the goat gouda and then it's got a little heat from the hatch chilies is that the one that you have aleppo pepper in did i put a note yeah yeah aleppo pepper yeah and what is aleppo pepper that's from it's from syria yeah 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 so uh, my alabama white sauce is kind of a variation of sean brock's uh, Alabama white sauce and so that was the first time I came across Aleppo pepper and I okay. liked it and I started using it in other things okay because I've heard people use it I've just never used it myself and it's it sounds like yeah, it. what does it taste like does it have a stronger pepper taste or a different type of no no it looks like red pepper flakes or like Korean chili flakes oh. uh, kind of um, but it's got kind of like a, a milder smoky flavor to it Okay, I'll, t- yeah. I'll, start, I'll start searching it out. Everyone else, <laughs> comment below if you're using Aleppo pepper. And then the secret is like an Italian, wasn't it? With And because you use Telegio, and Telegio, that's what, I think that's when I saw Telegio, I'm like, wow, he is really going out there with this. Yeah, I had done I had done this dinner at Little Cottage Brewery. They did a beer pair dinner. And so I did five courses and I made this uh, smoked mushroom and Telegio uh, gnocchi. And so I was like, and then we, the Buford Highway Farmer's Market has a really good Telegio. I was like, oh, I want to use that again. I want to see if I could use it in a sausage. So like, why don't throw gnocchi and an Italian sausage with Telegio and see how it works. And the other thing I do is I fry the basil. Speaking of like Taiwanese food, like I, I've had friends who made me like the, the Taiwanese like popcorn chicken with those fried mm. pieces of Thai basil. 
I really like that flavor. I was like, why can't you do that with just like Italian basil? So I'll fry the basil and I'll feed it through the grinder as I'm feeding like the uh, uh. the the seasoned mix. So it gets uh, kind of shredded up and and like dispersed uh, dispersed throughout the sausage. I don't think anybody has been using telegio. It's like, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody use it. Uh, yeah. So I found like it it melts out really. Uh, it's a softer cheese, so it melts out a lot. Uh-huh. And so I really should have used probably like almost double what i ended up using in that first batch that's got a funk it's got a different flavor too that people aren't used to yeah yeah Uh, i have a buddy who makes a like a a pizza with telegio cheese that's really good like yeah and so i just like the flavor and you kind of balance it out with other ingredients so i I think it works out wow that sounds awesome no it sounds it sounds so good i'm just very impressed is what i was saying and then the stout the stout pie link use a dubliner okay yeah okay so one of the breweries another one of the breweries i go to pontoon they had an irish stout made with jameson like it was called extra 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 wow. stout <laughs> um and so the first thing i thought of with that one and i had seen irish dubliner cheese or the carry gold irish dubliner cheese kind of at uh seen that in the cheese section too and that is that's honestly like an irish parmesan is the way i would describe it mm-hmm. yeah like it's a harder cheese so the first thing I thought about was like kind of like the like steak and kidney stout pie, hmm. that kind of thing. That's one I want to go back to if I can find the right stout to pair with it, because I had used so like the, it's super, super rich from like the onions and the mushrooms, the stout cooking all that down like it's and then the, the cheese, it gets super rich. So the second time that I made it, I used some red wine vinegar to kind of cut through it. And that's before I knew about. Uh, how acidity from like vinegars will break down a link. I just never thought about that. So the texture wasn't right on it. But now that I know there's an ingredient that there's a really good uh, YouTube channel called Two Guys in a Cooler. Okay. And they make, so- yeah, they make sausage and they've gone kind of over all this stuff. Like it's a really good thing to look into. Well, their website's great too, because uh, they have everything out in kilograms and you kind of just, you enter the weight of like how much sausage you want to make, how much, how much like trim you have, and then they'll spit out their recipe in grams based oh. on how much weight you have. Yeah, so it's super useful. Like it's a great resource. So he like he had done broken down someone else's recipe and talked about how acidity will break down like the enzymes of the meat and kind of create a more crumbly texture. It's like the issue that people had with El Pastor. If they just threw in raw pineapple, like the acidity from the pineapple would literally like eat through the casings and all that stuff. And that's why when you get chorizo, they use vinegar in there. And a lot of also Filipino sausages use vinegar in their longanisas. And so when they fry them up, it has that crumbly texture. Yeah, that makes sense. And, yeah. And so I didn't know that for the longest time. And when I was at Socks Love, Steven wanted to meet me to make a pickled pepper hot gut. So we were throwing these pickled, uh, we were throwing pickled uh, bell peppers and these links. And like the texture was never right because the acidity from the, the pickling mm-hmm. process was breaking down the links every time. <laughs> and I, it took me, took me probably a year to figure that out. Oh, well, now you know, and that's good. So hopefully someone is paying attention here and they can check that out because that, that's not, because yeah, because I'm sure that's, I'm sure a lot of people are experimenting and having problems with that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there is a product out there called encapsulated citric acid. Okay. And so it's these little tablets that you can add into a sausage to give it that uh, vinegary acidic 
flavor without actually adding vinegar into your sausage. Interesting. And I don't, I've never made sausage. And I want to, when I move, I actually want yeah, to yeah, make my own yeah. sausage. But do, so then if you're adding like a stout or, or a, a beer, are you doing that? Like, do you always add, you always add some sort of liquid to a sausage. So is this like, instead of you put beer, is that kind of a, the way you would do yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like beer or wine. Like, so I will, uh, if I'm adding a beer or wine, I'll adjust how much water I'm going to add in. Yeah. And then it also depends like how much liquid you're adding. And it also depends on what kind of protein you're using. I find that if I'm making more of a beef heavy sausage, I need to use more liquid than if I'm using like a more pork heavy sausage because okay. pork gets a better protein extraction just from the grind. Then you have to kind of work, uh, beef more to get that same extraction and stickiness. Gotcha. And I, and I, and you, you say the, the trimmings and I, I, I've heard this a lot and I've never asked anybody and I, I feel like it's a foolish question, but because you're <laughs> trimming a lot of fat off, you don't use all fat. Like you, you, it's only a percentage of the fat, right? Right. Yeah. So I'll take all the trim and I'll try and if I have enough time, I will separate the fat from the actual meat section so that when I weigh it out, depending on what sausage I make, I can make sure that it like, so for my standard sausage, usually 70, 30 meat to fat. Okay. So I can make sure I have that right ratio. But if I'm doing like a sausage like the, uh, if I'm using like that whole milk Oaxaca, there's a lot of fat in that Oaxaca cheese. So I'll go with a less, like a, a smaller, like kind of an 80 20 to kind of compensate for using like a fattier cheese. So you have to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's something you got to think about. Yeah. <laughs> the, the anniversary, you did five sausages for your anniversary party, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, I did. So I, I think I have I one. Just, okay. You did a, I, a, like, a, a Tyler Hodge hoodoo one, right? You did an homage to. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he sent me, he had done the Waffle House link. So he sent me his uh, granny apple Gruyere recipe. So I did that. And Gruyere is an awesome um, cheese. Yeah. Oh, Gruyere is great. I've, d I've done like a, a uh, kind of a patty melt inspired and I use Gruyere uh -huh. for that. That's awesome. So that, so you, yeah. so, so how, so that it's a granny Smith Gruyere cheese uh, link? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a yeah, it's got Granny Smith apples, Greer cheese, and then honestly, I can't. I've done so many that I don't know the yeah. exact recipe. I had just done another collab with a Korean restaurant, and they had given me their bulgogi marinade, and so that's one of the sausages I made. Like yeah, I did I, bulgogi with their, and then I roasted their cow's made kimchi and put it in the sausage. Nice. And then you did the manchego one, right, for that? Yeah, that's kind of like. Uh, that's one of my most popular. It's also one of my most expensive sausages I make. Just I can, because... Yeah, Manchego. <laughs> well, a, a Manchego, and then I also go, I'm kind of crazy, and I try and make it kind of like region accurate as, as possible. So I will import, or I will buy like imported Calabrian oregano, which is a thing. <laughs> oh, I love this. So, you're, you're insane. It's yeah. Awesome. It's great. Yeah, so like it does have like a different kind of flavor profile of uh, than like standard oregano or Mexican oregano or like there's Tuscan oregano too. So mm -hmm. yeah, I import that and then make sure I, I get like a Spanish Vadejo wine and there's something else. Oh yeah, the two types of Spanish paprikas, the sweet and the hot paprika. Oh the yeah, they're different. Yeah. Paprika. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So when you add all that up, it's a really expensive link. So I had been doing that and I said, I, uh, I think I made a post one time. I was like, I'm throwing it into my Disney vault. It'll come out later. I'll re-release it later. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, okay. And all those things came out of the vault. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you it was my anniversary. Secret Pint Plus yeah. when it comes out on Secret Pint Plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Secret Pint Plus. 
that will be that will be my uh like my monthly subscription <laughs> yeah for us uh, they had smart uh but that's that okay you know what because when you're talking throughout this whole thing I, I kept thinking your pantry must be like expand like you must have so many different random things from all these different sausages you made yeah it's it's kind of insane like i i have like a base set of ingredients that kind of go into most every sausage so that's that's good that's yeah but then yeah there's all these little little different ones like there's maple sugar for the breakfast ones there's yeah. you know like the granulated Red honey, honey yes. <laughs> that was cool. i i just got like fennel pollen that i started using in some sausages mm-hmm. bunch of different chili i did a szechuan hot gut so i have like szechuan peppercorns and the szechuan dried chilies and like a szechuan dried chili powder and like all sorts of stuff was that one hot uh, yeah so and then i made it hotter by we like when i served it the the dish is kind of based off of always has those like fried dried chilies and onions and like the cilantro stems and stuff so i fried up a bunch of that and like i gave it to one guy and it was just swimming in the chilies on top he's like it was almost too much <laughs> that's awesome my, my last I, I wish i could talk to you for another hour and a half i don't know if you're yeah, yeah, no but but um do you uh i want to ask this question because i'm sure people are wondering uh, do you aspire to do a brick and mortar or are you going to continue doing this or oh yeah yeah like honestly doing pop-ups is super exhausting and yeah. you can really unless you're hauling your smoker to like the brewery you're only really only able to do one day of service if you like sleep yeah. um because like by by the time you get back so you know get back unload from a pop-up you're usually back at like six o'clock so if you started to cook then you're not going to get done till six or seven o'clock the next morning unless you have someone at the commissary on your team that can manage the cook or you're hauling your smoker so you can watch the cook at the brewery you're only only going to get one service every other day at best a brick and mortar is always the goal it's just finding the right real estate that allows something to be financially viable because i don't if I do something, I don't want to do it seven days a week or maybe even five days a week. I want to kind of do the two to three days of service. Yeah. Like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or, you know, like Cadillac Fridays or their Thursday, Friday, and with some Saturdays, which is insane to me. Yeah, that's so crazy. Um, yeah, but like a Friday, Saturday, and then do kind of like kind of more streamlined services on other days. But finding the situation that fits, that makes it financially stable, that's that's really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, the, and a lot of food halls are popping up around Atlanta, and that's just not an avenue I want to go to because, like, a lot of food halls, they want you to be open seven days a week, uh, the hours that they're open. Yeah. No, I've and I've also heard that there's like minimums or there's things that like the ex, the expense. Someone was telling me about it. Maybe it was a food hall in Texas or somewhere that was like I couldn't believe how much it was going to end up costing. They they they'd have to do an insane amount of business to make money. Yeah, one of the food halls that I talked to, it was $300 a day. Yeah. was the cost, the operating cost, which ends up being 9 grand a month. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like if you want to make that viable, yeah. you kind of have to like if you want to make it really viable, you got to be hitting like $90,000 in sales a month mm-hmm. for it to be like a good option. Yeah. Uh, like on the low end, you probably need to hit like forty five to 50000 So yeah. that's kind of like when you only have a 500-gallon cooker, that's that's a lot of food. That's a lot of food. And it's also you'd have to sell a lot of ancillary things or something to make it make any sense or like alcohol. Well, yeah, not, like, I guess they probably have an alcohol thing. Yeah, if you're in a food hall, like they have the built-in bar already. So you're not going to yeah, get alcohol sales. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So you know how that's, it's a lot of shirts. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, you'd have to. It would. It would. It wouldn't make sense. So it's down the road, but people can follow you. You pop up almost every other weekend ish. Kind of. Now it's pretty much every weekend. Oh, it's every weekend. Like, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't work the audio job anymore, and so I had been doing a Wednesday night sandwich service, and then the Saturday for what I call the full barbecue menu, where I have the brisket, ribs, turkey, pulled pork, three sausages every weekend. <laughs> Insane. So, uh, uh, and then like three sides and a dessert uh, like it's yeah like people have said that's too big of a menu for like to serve at a brewery. it is but it's awesome but also too when i used to go visit heritage at breweries because i they did a lot of breweries and even moose they would do a lot they would a lot of these a lot of like because because it's it's exciting you want to show what you what you can do and you want to show you you're excited about what you're making so i can see that but yeah you probably smarter to pare it down but still I'm yeah, sure. yeah, but like if, if someone shows up and you're like, "Oh, you don't have ribs today," and that the whole reason they showed up is because you have like they like your ribs. It's kind of uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's it's, a, it's a catch twenty two. It is a catch twenty two, and but also too, like that happens at restaurants. At restaurants, people get there like say you're open till five or something, and they get there at three, and all that's left is pulled pork. <laughs> so they, yeah, they give you a one star Yelp review. So it's just there's 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 yeah there's. The, the food industry is an industry interesting beast but it's i'm so so happy that we finally got this coordinated and talk I, i'm so excited to to visit you has daniel visited you uh, no he, he the last time he was at Ohio was when i had covid oh okay. but he was uh, also he, yeah yeah he was also only like in atlanta on thursday on a thursday so he was hitting up yeah, like all was. the restaurants and i also i, I don't think he goes to pop-ups like Not you kind of have to have a brick and mortar. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of have to have a brick and mortar. There's something, it seems like, yeah, sometimes I'll see him randomly hit a pop-up, but it's mostly they have a physical address. Yeah, that's right. But, I'll, right. but, but, if, but if like, I'm sure I've seen him like stuff that you, but uh, I've also seen like he follows you on Facebook. So I, I can't, there's certain people that they're like the little like avatar. I can see. So I saw that. I yeah. yeah it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was only a recent follow like that. It, I didn't, a lot of people when they get the follow, they post the Instagram thing. It's like I finally got the follow from Daniel Vaughn. I, I just sent it to I just sent it to a couple of friends. It's like, okay, I made it. Yeah. Well, hopefully I can visit before Daniel. That's my goal. I want at least one place before yeah. he goes to it. <laughs> but cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. So I'll talk to you soon. Great. All right, cool. Good thank you so much. Good talk to you. Bye. Not a problem.